Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. And I think we're both home today, yes, Stacey? We are, John. We're home. We're enjoying our, our magical Irish lilt this morning. I'm looking out at my green grass and my trees that are in full bloom today. So, yeah, North Carolina is a, a perfect temperature weather, but but we just left um, California, or at least I just left California. You just went from a little bit farther south to a little bit farther north, correct? So, But, yeah, That's we, right. um, it was a long ride yesterday on the, tra- on the plane, but I made it home today, So, and you are as well. Well, yeah, it's- had a great time. We were we were at the Workday um, Innovation Summit, yep. um, um, and um, this event. This is I've been at this event for a long time, as you have, and it is held um, um, at Point Cavallo, which is right at the foot of the Golden Gate Bridge, looking into the city of San Francisco in this old military complex. Um, with beautiful, large green parade ground and these very funky but well-appointed uh, rooms. Uh, and and the Workday crew, who are always engaging and always interesting. Yep. Yeah, I, I think the nicest thing about this event, and, and they, I think we're celebrating their 10th year this year, um, is that, it's you know whenever you go to a big conference or a customer event, there's no doubt it's great you get a chance to meet everybody. But everybody's in such high anxiety about their presentations and and the work they're they're talking about, and it's it's just very anxious. It's, it's just the best way to explain it. and and fast paced and moving. And these um, when you get events, in particular, work I think does a, does a great job of of doing it in a much more relaxed environment, not overly you know crazy you know glamorous. It's just a sort of great place where you get to walk outside a lot. We get breaks and events where we get to sort of see the sunshine, which is an unusual thing at these events, right? Um, even though you're you're packed in uh, days on end talking about technology. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice, much more relaxed way to have a conversation about what at this point, when we talk to someone like Workday or, or if you're doing this with any of the other larger ERP organizations or even some of the, the larger talent and um, sort of niche players these days now, there's so much to talk about. It used to be that the first summit was – you know, a half a day was plenty, and then it got to a day, and then you know now it's like a day and a and a half, and because there's there's just it just keeps growing in the amount of things that you have to talk about. There's there's never uh, never enough time to get through everything, and that was definitely the same case here. So, well, but I I don't know about you. I have that experience with all of the vendors, all of the big vendors that I interact with. There are probably about twenty mm-hmm. um, who's that um, they call them SKUs, right? But their their product yeah. line is so vast that it's not possible to keep up. You wonder how the executives do it because it's not possible to actually keep up on what's going on and all of those things, yeah. unless you devote full time attention to it, right? And so and so you almost buy. It's almost like oh, the our job, you and I, our job is like a wine tasting tour of something companies um, exactly. <laughs> and, and we go we go and we spend a day and we have a little sample of their wine and then we draw some conclusions about it and then we go to the next winery and sample of their wine and, and 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 that's how we draw these conclusions about what's going on inside of the market in general is sampling the wares at each one of the the giant software companies and and i've never been to one where it felt like 
got it all said, and, and by 4 o'clock there was nothing left to say, so it was time to go uh, play golf or something. It's always dragging on because there are so many questions you can ask about what they're doing. Yeah, no, that's a, I think that's a very good point. It, it, it is it is a never-ending conversation, and 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 even for the I think the larger research firms who have lots of people who cover them, you hear the same thing, um, because there there is a, a such an overlap in in all the areas that organizations cover as well, and so yeah, it's it's a um, it's an ongoing um, I think attempt by the research community to always make sure that we're sampling the right sample of mixes that would be a good way to put it right to make sure that we're getting all the pieces make sure we can give a, a really good picture of what's happening and so we can definitely share a little bit about that today because because we have some updates from workday but we also have updates i mean there's some great news this week um sap's got some interesting news we've got um updates from phenom people and textio and hierology um and then there's a lot of funding going on like astound and eightfold um, Zipia. So yeah, it's a it's a big week this week when it comes to to HR technology. Lots of stuff that that we were talking about both there at the event and across the board with people who we were able to get a chance to to connect with this week. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Well, I mean, I think you know just a, a couple of updates maybe on what we did um, learn from the Workday Innovation Summit. Most of it, I'd say, ninety-nine percent of it was under NDA, so there's not a whole lot that we could probably share from the Innovation Summit. A lot of it is built to sort of give the um, uh, analyst an idea of the things that are coming down the road, which is part of why it's it's a little bit different than sort of a, an extended. Um, event that we often have at, at the sort of users' conferences. But I do think a couple of things that they talked about. One was that they are making progress on their extensible platforms, so their platform as a service model. And they were talking about a new GUI tool that will extend the development speed. Um, there was a lot of conversation that I took away about machine learning being embedded in almost everything that they're doing. So I'm sure that um, users will see that coming very quickly in the next couple of updates. Um, some updates in how they're using the planning tool that they had just purchased that had more of a finance bent into a, a workforce planning component. So sort of Workday giving their insight into how to do workforce planning and the planning process. Um, and probably my favorite part was the conversation about their new skills miner um, app uh, uh, tool that is coming out in the next uh, few releases. The skills miner is a tool that will capture all the skills from organizations um, in multiple different ways and help people sort of do a better job in assessing their skills, um, using them to apply for jobs and career paths. Um, and so that actually was probably my favorite piece to see that working in sort of the, the environment as they talked about it. So it was it was a pretty pretty good update. Anything else you caught, John, that you thought was worth well, noting? Let's, let's step through those things just a little bit because because the platform the platform conversation that was interesting. I think Workday's definition of platform and mine are different, right? And 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 when I go to sort of the rest of the world to see um, their execution of the platform, generally the platform is um, um, an API. The presentations that I usually get is that the platform is a, a is an API orchestration that involves um, the integration of a rapidly growing ecosystem. And my perspective is that what what uh, Workday showed was the capacity for customers 
to create their own processes and procedures inside of Workday beyond the stuff that Workday provides. And so, so that's a, it's a different definition of platform than, say, ADP or Ceridian or um, Ultimate Software use because they're, they're describing something that is about enriching functionality with partnerships and alliances. Yeah. Yeah, they they did mention that they are they're definitely becoming more open, especially as they work within the you know we're going to go where you work. So the ability to sort of port Workday into uh, and pull data from you know your work environments like Microsoft Office or Google or whatever it might be, right? But there's there's definitely a push here to still keep as much as possible inside the Workday environment. I, you know, surely I think from from the perspective that that's where if you have all the data in a single place, you can do a better job with things like machine learning. I mean, that was definitely a message throughout the day, was our 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 focus on the platform of one, right, the, the single platform concept, right, um, has allowed them, at least I, I believe they, they believe so, and, and, you know, it would be interesting to get your perspective as they start to roll these out, that they are able to leap ahead a little bit faster in this machine learning space because they don't have to um, think as much about, you know, where they're pulling all the data from. It, it's generally at least in, in all within a, a reachable sense. That's their, their comment, I think. So, so one of the things that I'm seeing, and this is not exclusive to, to Workday at all, this is a kind of a generic critique of software companies who are starting to embed machine learning in their in their work is they think they're so much smarter than their customers. <laughs> and so, so I think that the answer is, we'll tell you where machine learning goes. And and customers are, are experiencing this. In, so if you're a customer, it's like you've got ivy growing up the side of your house, and now it's starting to get in through the windows, and it's inside of your house now. That's what That's what the advent of intelligent tools feels like the movement in the heart of HR as a discipline, something different where, where customers are deciding the questions that they want to answer. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and those questions may not match up with the vendor's idea of what the right questions are. And so what I was hoping to see at Workday was, was announcement of a laboratory that customers can use to, Ask the questions that they want to ask, and the, and that that's, that that simply wasn't part of the conversation. This was all about we're we're sort of turning our bicycle into an electric bicycle, um, and less about here's how our customers can figure out how they want to solve the problems that they have to solve with our tool set, and 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 so so I thought that was interesting. They're they're a little further behind than I would have liked to see. Um, well, I, I think it's an interesting perspective, but I but I will give a little bit, you know, based off of what I'm seeing, at least in the research and the data. Um, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I I think there are a lot of companies and a lot of organizations who have the capacity to sort of think beyond the dashboards that they're being given, or the or the or even the the tools for creating dashboards because they're they're you know very simple about what they might be able to to show. Um, I think there are a lot more companies, though, that are 
baffled by by what they would get out of HR. And and I think this this is a reaction. So I'm not surprised you're seeing this from the vendors. And I think this is something that you know is is it is partially an HR issue, but I think it's going to be an issue across the board when we come to enterprise applications as they all become more um, machine learning led and um, you know insight focused versus just sharing of information. Right? Is that um, things that most companies take for granted are sort of collaborative, intuitive processes that you that you do inside your company by mashing together a bunch of data and numbers and information and your planning level. You know, the machines can do so much more faster and and at at such an, an extensive speed, but how you translate the human collaborative process of planning into a you know, a technical environment is really, really difficult. And I think that, that people aren't quite ready to, to make that leap in some cases to ask the system for what they want or to, or to even understand that it has what they need to, to do those things. So that would be my two cents on it. I, I get what uh, you're uh, saying completely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that, 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 that the system has to be smart. What I'm saying is that, is that um, I, you know, so, so I am one of their top 50 customers in terms of one of their top 50 customers in terms of scale, I have a, um, an, a people analytics laboratory of some kind. There's a data scientist working in the HR department. You know, um, this is not new. This is not new. And, and those people have enterprise-specific questions that they're trying to solve. Yep. They absolutely have enterprise-specific questions that they're trying to solve, and they're trying to figure out to the question, what is all data that I have tell me about the problem that I have. Yeah. And and it's different. The Amazon question is different from the Microsoft question is different from the Google question is different. The um, Netflix question is different from the um, um, healthcare system Kaiser question, right? And all of these scale at that scale with the kinds of data that they have at that scale, their HR departments are all over intelligent mm-hmm. tools and they're doing it internally, and it's people analytics. Yep. Um, and, and, and what they need is better laboratory equipment, not, uh, not somebody telling them what they need to think about. Yeah, but I, but I think that's a small set of, the, a small set of companies, and I get it, it, but I think it's a very small set of companies that are there at this point. So. Well, yeah, that's what early adopters look like, and that's where you build you build tools like this for for early adopters, and then they spread out. You don't skip the early. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, that this is this is this is John's critique in general. That's not workday in specific. Yeah. it's 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 a critique <laughs> it's in general. It's the industry as a whole. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I heard I heard a really interesting thing last week that I think is I think is is super important, and it's about what it takes to be a 21st century. Um, enterprise. And so, so it's like this, when you plan something, most companies today, companies don't ever execute a plan until they're 95% sure that it's going to work. And with 95% certainty that the plan is somebody clearly identified to take the blame, those, those plans actually succeed about half the time. (laughs) They're really hard to kill. Right, but, right, but but everybody's sure about it, and so the planning process 
for those sorts of things is is every month you go back and you update the plan and you figure out where you're spending over, you're spending under, you're on until the thing is done. Um, there's a new mindset coming. And the new mm-hmm. mindset is that, that companies should, of one of those big things a year, you should do one a month that has a 25% likelihood of success. Mm-hmm. Then with the one that has a 25% likelihood of success, if you have the same success rate, uh, if, if they fail at 25%, then you're going to get three times as much change in the system, right? In order to get more change and more fluidity in the organization, you have to start more projects and more of those projects are work. And so that means that planning, which is this arcane long budgeting process that's the sort of spine of most enterprise organizations, is going to change to be something where the first question every time you open up the plan is, should we kill this now? Right. Well, that's flexible planning. That's flexible that, planning. That's flexible planning. But and and I think a lot of that will come down to do I have enough data to make that decision at this point, right? Because um the more data that you have, the the more insight you can you can quickly sort of make that decision. And that's definitely a lot of the conversation we had at this event was what kind of data do you need and where does that data come from and can you get that all in an enterprise system or does it need to come from external systems, right? Um but I think the other question, you know, the thing to what you're answering or, or discussing is this, this shift in how people and companies are planning. You know, I, I've, I've heard of this idea, and maybe it's not the same thing or not, but we've you know, heard of a lot of these innovation groups or innovation areas within an organization where they let them come up with constant groups of, of small, planable projects that they can initiate on, see if they're going to fail, take off, right, over time. Um or organizations like Amazon that basically will let each of their business units run autonomously um, with their own sort of individual plans. Um, is that sort of where you're, you're heading in, or do you think it's something different from that? I think it's I think it's more enterprisey than that. So so mm-hmm. so little little projects in Skunk Works may not necessarily be able to scale, mm-hmm. right? That's the problem with Skunk Works, mm-hmm. and and so. So I think um, that what we're really talking about is a whole bunch of big ideas, moonshots, but moonshots with moonshots with hair triggers on turning off. Mm. That's how that's how that's how agile software development actually works, and um, it, it's a, it's a question: can you take that sort of thinking to enterprise scale? Well, a lot of that to do that, I think you have to know who your skill sets are and who's inside the company. Because to oh to God, I'm changing you know your that. name to Mrs. Segway. Mrs. Segway, <laughs> good job. Well, honestly, I mean, I mean, I think you know, I think companies don't take those risks because they don't know if they've got people who can do them. Because half the <clears> challenge <throat> is finding the right people, right? To to, to take a risk at, at, at a new, you know, goal that's that sort of could be possibly failing even, right? Um, that would be my say on it, but <laughs> well, well, we have a so lot of other things going on. <laughs> okay, we're you were really into... excited about the skills minor thing. Do you want to say anything more before we jump? Well, no. I mean, I think the skills minor idea is 
You know, the the thing that, that, that caught my eye, and, and, and they've been talking about this for a while, so I don't think this is new for Workday, but um, they talked about the skills miner as being a way of breaking the resume, the job conversation, the career path, the the, the employee to its smallest element. And, and it sounds like for them the smallest element is going to end up being a skill, a skill that can be captured in multiple ways. They're, they're definitely not just making it something that you fill out or um, and can be verified in multiple ways. Um, and I don't know that I've heard any of the other vendors talk about it in that sense, at least, right? Because a lot of what we do in the enterprise space is understanding the building blocks, right? Understanding the tools you need to build up something. And I think a lot of organizations talk about culture and they talk about management and they talk about you know, talent as sort of the, the, the individual thing. And I think what, you know, Workday is, at least from what I heard, is saying is that skills is going to be at the heart of their central, you know, element conversation, that it, everything will, will go back to a skill conversation at some level. So it was quite interesting to me. Yeah, and, you know, in, in, so, in some larger setting, I, what, I, what I don't understand, I spoke with IBM yesterday, and IBM is very proud of the fact that their DNA is all over that project. Um, yeah. and, and I don't understand how that works, because, because that certainly wasn't exactly what Workday was saying. Um, so what's, what's the rest of the stuff here? So we got we got some updated information from SAP going on. Um, I think it's worth us talking a little bit about that. They they had good quarter uh, announcements um, from from sort of the stock market last uh, yesterday. And and if you could have just read the announcements and all the updates, their revenues were up. Cloud was double digit, all those things. But then if you read between the line, there was this announcement or comment about an activist investor. And when we've seen activist investors in the in the HR tech space, ADP particularly had a very, you know, vocal one uh, the last couple of years that that has I think now calmed down a bit. But this was definitely sounded like SAP had um, a big activist investor that had basically um, pushed them to to make a, a sizable you know conversation about the fact that they are going to slim down cut. Um, cost and become more efficient. It, it, had you heard anything about that? I know you've been talking to a couple of the vendors this week. Um, so, so, you know, I, I did, I did also spend some time with SAP this week and uh, the differences between the SAP culture and the workday culture are astonishing. Um, and, and, and it really is a choice in personalities when you decide which one to I didn't. I didn't get on the ground sense from anybody at SAP that they were anxious about this. But the success factors component of SAP has been sort of through the war. They're coming out the other side, and they they're on fire, right? Mm-hmm. Success factors is is it was it was the laughing stock of the industry five years ago. And they um, sort of gritted their teeth, dug in, improved the products, shifted the management around, and 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 it is a very, you know, SAP has this German culture. It's a very rigorously disciplined enterprise now, and um, I was surprised to see that. I was surprised to see the, how dramatic the transformation was. So, so my experience with SAP couldn't be any different than the news. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, um, I, I think that's interesting. I think SAP is so big that right that um, that the the arena the activist investors stake in the company at at five or six percent um, is a billion dollars. <laughs> you know, this this is a game that's over my pay grade here. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's over most of our pay grades. Yeah, and they've been in it for a very long time. Um, the, the activist investor group is not new. It's their sort of assertion of power that's new. Yeah. yeah. And I think the thing that you know, we we know, um, those of us who have been in the in the space for a bit, we know that that you know, as you said, SAP's gone, particularly Success Factors Group has gone through basically a, a huge amount of reorganization in the last year, as part of this turnaround that they're doing. Um, but it, it it doesn't seem to hurt the numbers too bad. I mean, at least um, by their announcements, uh, they've added 150 more customers to just the last quarter, and now under 3,200 customers globally in the sort of core HRMS as success factor space, I should say, um, but their employee central space. Um, and those are pretty good numbers because again, they were behind the curve. Um, they were, they were, they were, they were, um, had fewer customers than uh, their competitors in the space, including, you know, the work days and the ultimates and the, um, at that point in time. And they're, they're catching up pretty rapidly to where everybody's at. Um, so yeah, so I, I think it's it's well it'll be interesting to see what happens um, as far as you know here in the states and versus Europe. There's definitely a difference I think in in how the SAP and the Success Factors brand is being viewed. But to me, the Coltrix purchase is probably one of the the most important things they've done in the last year, and I think that's going to change a bit of the Success Factors DNA as well. And I'm I'm waiting to see where that goes to. I wonder. So, tell me what you think about that. That's that's. Um, <clears throat> I I just don't understand how the Qualtrics integration works. I, I, I just I just it doesn't make sense to me because there are a whole bunch of people who are not SAP customers who are never going to become SAP customers. Yes, very very true. And yep. The, <laughs> in, in the Qualtrics. Yeah. Um, and, and it sounds like. An admission of failure that they couldn't figure out how to visualize their own data, and so they wanted to buy. Maybe that's why the activists and investors there, because for my money, the Qualtrics acquisition was stupid. Um, it well, you know, and again, I think this will go back to to, to what I, I have not heard anything from SAP itself on the Qualtrics. So you know, they, they purchased, they bought, it went quiet for a while. So, so I can't. I don't have. I think that's a, a comment that we need from. And I don't know if they mentioned it all while while you were talking to them this week. But, nope. but I know at the Qualtrics event when I went there, the conversation was much more about the idea of um, leveraging data across your organization, the customer and the employee experience being defined by their own perspectives by their own desires and to do that you've got to get data and feedback from them right um and so if if that 
perspective takes off, I think it will inform what is currently, I mean, it's a highly administrative application, no matter how you look at it. They've got great user experience, you know, uh, in their, from their new uh, UI and GUI, you know, perspective. But SAP at its core is, is, a, is an administrative tool, and SuccessFactors has definitely bolstered that in the talent and the learning and the you know, employee space. But it's still very, very heavy sort of uh, company-driven as far as its needs. Right. And, and Qualtrics is not company-driven. Qualtrics is much more of a um, customer and employee-driven conversation, right? So to me, that's the DNA that – that needed to be infused into what SAP was doing, and and so I think that that's what I'm hoping they'll bring to it. Okay, well I you know you know I think I think the the question will be if, if SAP can extract the DNA of Qualtrics and apply it to SAP, that'll be great for SAP, and it's the death of Qualtrics. Um, <laughs> and 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 if you think that Oracle and Workday and IBM and ADP and the rest are going to go, oh, SAP has this great new interface for looking at data and we're going to gleefully give it to them? (laughs) (laughs) No, this is not going to happen. This this is no, that's not going to happen. It's and so Qualtrics customers will start to experience challenges in their utilization, right? Because because the the black hole and, and not with any negative connotation at all, but the the black hole that is the 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 huge large planet that is SAP has a gravitational pull, um, um and. And and that will distort what Qualtrics is. I I don't disagree on that. I I, I said I am hoping. We, uh, I did not say <laughs> that this will come to pass. Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we are up against our half hour. We didn't even get to talk about what's going on at Phenom People or this idea of the talent experience management or talent experience platform. This language is coming out all over the place. We need to talk about that next week without a doubt, John, because I'm not exactly sure I agree with the idea that there is a new talent experience platform, but I'm, I've am i heard it multiple times in the last couple of weeks, uh, which goes beyond the idea of a talent management platform, I guess, is what everybody's telling me. So. <laughs> so, 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 But they're not really talking about talent. They're talking about recruiting, right? Um, uh, is that right? But for phenom people, yes. But there's a couple other places where I'm seeing that this term being used as well um, in this talent experience platform, where for, with organizations that have picked up, um, you know, performance management tools um, like uh, CultureAmp, um, they're using that term as well. I'm also hearing, um, you know, there's there's a, another HR company being you know, put together here down the bottom of my list called bright fox that is saying they're they're doing it's just a new term that's coming out um and i'm just not sure what it means so as you said phenom would be all about recruiting the other ones are not and yet everybody's using the same term to describe what they're doing well, and, and, and what's so weird is is at least in the world that's currently <clears throat> um available um, the hr function is not what employees experience the employees experience hr when they have to experience hr because they want to they don't experience hr as 
the environment in which they work, that is singularly laughable. That's singularly laughable that 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 employee experience has something to do with HR. <laughs> experience has to do with your boss and the software that you work in every day and the people you work with in your work group. Um, HR has a very limited impact on that. Um, and so and so the idea that there is a talent experience that somehow from what it's like to go to work every day. This sounds like Silicon Valley at its worst. <laughs> that being said, naming conventions aside, you know there are there are some I think some interesting announcements about what organizations are bringing to the forefront. Um, Phenom is is basically saying they're they're coming out with a platform now for connecting the interaction of their of their what would be their talent lifecycle, which is candidate experience, employee experience, management experience, um, all sort of under a single bucket. Um, from the hiring perspective. Um, so it, I think there's some interesting stuff to talk about here when we get a chance to uh, in the well, next couple of weeks about what's yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah, because I think, I think Beamery is doing some interesting things in the same way. And they, that, that was another thing I didn't hear about at Workday was their new relationship with Beamery. Yeah. So, um, so next week we'll we'll plan to cover some of the other stuff we didn't get to this week, um, including Textio's new Textio Flow, and uh, like I said, a couple of other investments that were made that I think are worth talking about. So we'll have a lot to cover. We'll do some catch up next week. Cool. So thanks again for doing this, Stacy. It was a great conversation, and we will see you all back here next week, same time. Bye bye. Thanks everyone. Bye.